Welcome back, sports fans. This is Kurt Hardy. You're listening to Zeros on the Board podcast. Today we bring back Jeff Bruce because it's that time of year, March Madness tournament time. And as we record this on a Wednesday, we wanted to be sure to get Jeff on the show to tell you everything you did wrong before we inevitably throw in our brackets two days from now. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thanks, Kurt. It's good to be back. Happy to uh, be here, ready to discuss the madness as we're on the eve of it. Absolutely. And I'm going to be honest with you, Jeff. I'm a little afraid for how this podcast is going to go. Not necessarily what we're going to say, but when I think of the sports industry in general, most sports anchors can get away with saying anything and no one comes back to call them out on it. We don't go back and say, Boomer, you picked the Vikings to win and call them out on it. So sports anchors can usually get away with anything except with brackets. And I think it's because there's so many unknowns, half the teams we don't even know. And so we rely a lot more on the advice on, Who's going to have the big upset? Who are going to be these sleepers? And we don't forget that and really take it personally, and myself included. I stopped listening probably five or six years ago because and it wasn't even a big sleeper pick at the time. Seth Davis just predicted Michigan State to go to the Final Four. So I said, you know what? Seth Davis knows what he's talking about. I'm having Michigan State go deep. Naturally, they lost in the second round and screwed my entire bracket, and I've had been holding a grudge against Seth Davis <laughs> ever since. So that, that's the reason I'm afraid. <laughs> For those of you listening out there, don't put your life savings based on what you hear today, but we should have some good insight for you. What you want to put in your bracket if you need any last minute changes. With that, I want to ask you, Jeff, what sort of criteria have you been using this year in terms of not only deciding who's going to win, but more importantly, how are you picking these big upsets? Well, I think there's a few different criteria that really jump out to me when I'm thinking about upsets. The the first one is when you look at the experience of the teams in those first-round matchups. This goes back to, I mean, it goes back for many, many years, but the year that I always get reminded of is uh, 2014, I believe it was, when you had Kansas went out to Stanford in the second round. Big upset, Kansas was a two-seed. Um, best player, Andrew Wiggins, freshman. Really choked in that game, was a non-factor, did not show up. And in that same tournament, just about 24 hours earlier, I believe, you had a little school in northern Georgia called Mercer, which took out Duke, led by Jabari Parker. Uh, and that Mercer team was full of seniors, full of experience. That's one thing I always look at. little preview to maybe our next section. I'm, I'm looking at Middle Tennessee again this year to pull off a first-round upset. They've got some guys back from that team that upset Michigan State last year. So I think that's, that's the main one I look at. Coaches is always a big thing. When you're looking at uh, you know smaller schools like say Butler or VCU, if those are led by guys like Brad Stevens, Shaka Smart, you know obviously it's it's much more appealing to pick an upset with a team led by a coach like that than you know Joe Schmo, who you've never heard of. And one of the last things uh, I don't want to ramble on too long here, but size is a really big anti-upset pick for me um, because in the end, you know obviously if if a, a underdog just shoots lights out from three it can make up for it but one of the biggest differences between big conference teams and mid-majors is the presence of like seven footers six ten guys who can just bruise have the body of full-grown men at 19 years old it's uh it's just literally the embodiment of the expression men among boys and sometimes that's just too much to overcome even if the upset pick looks appealing on paper I like the idea of size, and to be honest with you, I haven't. That was definitely something I didn't look into uh, for my picks this year. I've always, in the past, I have done 
especially with the smaller schools, the, the juniors and seniors, upperclassmen, as you mentioned. I think that's incredibly important. And in the past, I used to do a lot more digging into strength of schedule. And I, I did all that digging, and my brackets never turned out the way I wanted, so I'm looking to switch it up this year. So I actually really didn't take schedule into account. One, because I think a lot of the, the BPI and the regular rankings are, are based on that anyway. So a lot of times you see the ranking, you, you have a good idea that you know they won some good road games in general. But I think the bigger problem is, especially as you're putting together your bracket, you start getting that in your head. The second you start thinking that, you know, Marquette beat Villanova. So they can not only take down, you know, South Carolina, but they might be able to beat the, the two, two seed. Like if they can beat, if they can beat Villanova, they can beat anyone on this board. And then it just gets out of hand. That's why this year I told myself, I'm not even going to look at that. I did a lot of focus on the game-by-game point statistics. If these small teams really only have two or three guys scoring 20 points a night and that's it, I don't trust them. But then when you have some of these larger schools like the Villanovas that have not only the starting five averages 10 points a game, but then even two guys off the bench getting nine or 10 as well, I really like that depth. And that really helped me promote those teams moving farther. Other quick things, most teams do have the same shooting percentage for the most part, generally anywhere from 45 to 49%. But I did take free throw percentage into account. Now, this isn't always a big thing. If you look at any, any Calipari team back from Memphis, <laughs> they've shot historically under 60%. So it doesn't always mean anything. But if I have a team where I know they it have great... the difference, absolutely. Right. If I know they have great depth and they're shooting 77% from the line... I'm generally going to go with that team. So I was, based on that, able to get try and predict a few more upsets. But again, we'll have to see how that works. Next question for you. You were able to mention Middle Tennessee State, but what are your some of your biggest upsets for this year? The biggest one, according to seeding, that I went with, that I'm still on the fence about, but uh, I guess I'm going on the air now talking about it, so I'm probably going to have to stick with it, is I'm picking Vermont. I do think that... Vermont is going to shock a lot of people. The thing about this team is um, they've won 21 in a row. They haven't won since, or they haven't lost, excuse me, since December 21st of 2016. This is a team that knows how to win, they're experienced, and Purdue has looked a little shaky to me. Honestly, I think Purdue might be the weakest Big Ten regular season champion I've seen since, uh, I mean, maybe even since I've been following college basketball, which is a pretty long time. The one thing here is I'm going against one of my criteria in that can they can they slow down Isaac Haas on the inside that monster seven foot two frame of his that would certainly be the uh, the reason that Vermont isn't able to pull this off but I like to pick at least one like four or three seed to go out in the first round every year and to me that was the most viable one going along with that Middle Tennessee I already mentioned I think that between Reggie Upshaw and Giddy Potts who just has the most fun name in the history of college (laughs) basketball I think that they've got you know some guys returning from that stunning upset over Michigan State last year I think they get the job done Xavier is another one that I'm on the fence about but I'm leaning towards it they don't have Sumner which is a a big loss they they haven't looked like the same team since he went down but I'm not that confident in Maryland and to go back to my point about coaches, I think Chris Mack is a really good coach. I think he's very seasoned in March, assistant under Sean Miller before he took over as head coach at Xavier. So that's another one that I think you got to be on the lookout for. Rhode Island is another one that, that I really think is going to happen. I don't even really consider 6 over 11 an upset because usually you see like a mid-major team that's pretty good and often very experienced going up against a a weaker power conference team that's not necessarily the case with Creighton being the number six seed but Creighton lost Mo Watson earlier this year 
and I think URI, they, they have a lot of talent. They were a top 25 team in the preseason AP poll. So look out for them to uh, bust a few people's first rounds. Princeton is another team that I would really like to pick for an upset. Similar to Vermont, they're, they're very hot right now. They've won 19 in a row. Not sure if I'm going to be able to go with that one, though. Notre Dame, I think they're very well coached. And I think Bonzi Colson is going to be the difference in that game. But who knows? Maybe I'll have a couple beers tonight and <laughs> I'll end up uh, changing my bracket to, to Princeton. But those are the ones that I'm looking at right now. I'm going to go a little bit further. And again, I was a little bit more risky in my picks than I generally am. I actually only had 112 um, beating the five this year. And that's actually Nevada. I didn't have any 13s winning, but I did have two 14 seeds beating threes. Really? I have New Mexico State over Baylor and Florida Gulf Coast over Florida State. Um, <laughs> I actually did up until this morning did have Iona winning, but then I think that that was, like you said, probably a few too many beers. And I did have to take that one back. I was getting a little too excited. But my biggest knock against Baylor, they only have two players that average over 10 points a game, one at 17, one at 12. When I look at that 17 points a game, what happens if you stop that top player? Who's going to be the one to step up? And on the other hand, when looking at New Mexico State, they're a lot more well-rounded. Now, Grant, that strength of schedule is going to be less, but they are averaging 80 points a game, shoot good free throws, and then um, 46% field goal percentage. So, again, it's going to be a reach at the end of the day, but I do believe New Mexico has the chance. This one is a little bit more of a stretch, but I do have Florida Gulf Coast. Are you just in a time over, machine? Be honest. I, Are I, you still just thinking back to, to four years ago? So that's probably it. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm scared because while they do have a, a lot of the, the stats I'm looking for, four guys that average over eight um, with the fifth starter averaging just under nine, shoot 50% field goal percentage, 70% from the charity stripe, the issue is they're a very young team. And when we talked about before, where when you try to pick these upsets, you want to have a lot of, a lot of upperclassmen. Florida Gulf Coast doesn't have that. Florida State does scare me. I do believe they are overrated in terms of their seeding. They do have three solid players that are able to contribute and do have a lot that come off the bench. But at the same time, it's kind of just a big question mark for me in general. I think even if I had them winning, I certainly wouldn't have them go much farther. I had my criteria this year. I was changing it up. And it freaks me out, I admit, but I'm going with the 14s this year. That uh, that reminds me of one other thing that I did want to mention. It's important to note if if anybody out there is actually thinking about basing their picks on uh, what we're saying, there are two very distinct different paradigms that you have to follow when you're picking your brackets because there's two distinct scoring systems. you got the standard where you just pick who you think's going to win. And then there's a lot of brackets out there that give you extra points for upsets. So... I will, I will give you credit for those picks, Kurt, because those are brave, and I do think that they're, they're pretty viable. I agree also that Florida State is overrated. Um, I don't think they're going to lose, but I, I do think that <laughs> they uh, do not deserve a three seed. You know, obviously, you've got to be more loose with your upset picks in situations where you get the bonus points for them. So if you're looking to win your office pool, maybe follow Kurt more than me. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> then uh, <laughs> going, going to our last, our, our last question here, who's your biggest sleeper so we talked about the upsets but who's going to be that sleeper that not only wins the first one but can go deeper to the tournament it almost sounds like a broken record when you bring up teams like this again you know honestly i was i was looking at the bracket about a couple hours ago at the office well i was supposed to be working but that's okay and i could really only think of one double digit seed that i could see even getting into the second weekend um unless they get a fortuitous second round matchup and that's wichita state which honestly the reason that that they're the team that jumps out is because they shouldn't be a double-digit seed. 
grossly underseeded, disrespected by the committee, as they often are. Uh, but this is a good team. This is a good team that is very well coached. They have a history of performing extremely well in March. That's the team that I have going actually to the Elite Eight. And then the other one is in that same section of the bracket. Once again, I'm not sure if we can really consider them a sleeper because of their past success. But Butler is always going to be a legitimate threat in this tournament. I have them knocking out North Carolina in the Sweet 16. I'm not a believer in the Tar Heels at this point. Other than that, I really think that there isn't going to be a George Mason this year. There isn't going to be a VCU this year. But if you're looking for a double-digit seed to carry out, Wichita State are going to shock some people. Pun. I don't have Wichita State going that far. I have them one and done. I have them winning one and then then being knocked out. My pick is Creighton. And I know I go against you already because if you have Rhode Island moving on, one, I do like their team based on my criteria. If you would look at strength of schedule, you would see that their last four away games, they lost three of them. And so if you're looking at that point, Creighton scares the bejesus out of you. Again, that wasn't part of my criteria. I was just looking for a lot of well-rounded scoring. They certainly have that. Average 82 points a game in a tough conference. Field goal percentage is just over 50, 68% from the line. And they shoot good threes, uh, 40%. This is also a matter of how the rest of my bracket turned out. Oregon, like Baylor, I think is just a a scary three seed to try to bet on. I think each one of those are going to end up going home early. One of my big upsets, I have Oklahoma State not only beating Michigan, but I haven't beaten Louisville as well. And so that's part of it too. If you have Louisville going far, it might be a tough test for Creighton. But with those out of the picture, they're going to have an easier road. I have them out to the Elite Eight. As we wrap up here, real quick, Jeff, who do you got for Final Four? Who's in the championship and who's going to win it all? All right, well, for Final Four, first of all, I have to apologize. I misspoke earlier when I was talking about Wichita State. I do actually have them going out in the Sweet 16 to UCLA, who I carry on to the Final Four, uh, to meet Kansas. And on the other side, uh, in the last 10 seconds, I've decided that I'm going to go with Duke over Villanova, and they will then advance the national championship game over Arizona, Duke over UCLA in the championship game. I think that Coach K is the anti-freshman inexperience problem between Tatum and Grayson Allen, who has the maturity of a freshman. I think Coach K can handle him. Duke is national champion again, even though I hate to say it. I do like UCLA this year. I also struggled with Villanova Duke for a long time. I've been back and forth already, but my final four ended up being number two seed Duke, number one Gonzaga, number four Purdue, number three UCLA with UCLA and Gonzaga in the championship, UCLA going all the way. Thanks all for joining today. Thanks, Jeff, for hopping on the show. And thank all of you for listening. Until next time, you've been listening to Zeros on the Board podcast.